everybody tends to forget about the essentials and they generally they tell you, oh, my differentiating factor is the fact that I got this feature and this feature. In March, they're saying something else. In May, they say something else. Everybody forgets that your differentiating factor must be through the quality of your solution. I'm Pep Lau. I don't do fluff. I don't do filler. I don't do emojis. What I do is study winners in B2B SaaS because I want to know how much is strategy, how much is luck, and how do they win? This week, Jean-René Boudron, President and CEO of Chameleon, an A-B testing and personalization platform for the enterprise. Founded out of France in 2012, Chameleon is now a global company with a team of over 185 employees in seven different countries serving over 500 brands. In this episode, we discuss how Chameleon focused on non-English-speaking market openings before expanding globally and why they've chosen to prioritize product quality as a strategy for raising brand awareness. Let's get into it. Back in 2012, I founded this company together with uh, uh, Jean Noël, who is uh, you know, chief technical officer. And he was the one who had the, you know, the product vision. Now, what he had done before uh, was creating a tool to allow designers to make changes to websites you know, really easily uh, and without going through some, um, you know, technical hassles and so on. So he didn't think about A-B testing at the time. We presented this thing to some web designers. Uh, there was one who, who said, well, I mean, this is, uh, you know, very interesting there. You know, do you know, you know, anything about A-B testing? Well, I knew the term A-B testing because I have been in digital for 15 years. But at the time, there was no tool designed for um, business teams without too much technical knowledge to get into this. So that's, you know, how we got into it. And we realized at the time that, uh, you know, there were some other players who, were, who had already started uh, some solutions, one of them being very well known, uh, you know, in the U.S. And that's how we, we started over, uh, you know, the, the company. And There must have been something in the water because around the same time, a lot of A-B testing companies got started, you know, like VWO and Optimizely and, and so on. You kind of studied on your own. You you maybe weren't thinking about the competitive landscape that much, but at at some point you must have realized that hey, there's there's a lot of players in this market. One thing to keep in mind is that we started over one European country, so France, and that's uh, not an advantage when you don't start in the country which leads and sets the pace, uh, you know, in the digital space, which is clearly uh, in North America and the United States. So we started over in our domestic market. So on the one hand, there was little competition there. On the other hand, you're right, you know, there was, you know, another tool, or even two other tools which were really competing in the biggest market. So I guess that, that we, we managed to exist because France was not in the middle of the concerns at the time and, and the objectives. So we didn't see that much competition in the beginning. Plus, well, we knew and we had seen, you know, these players. So, of course, they were in the U.S. So, of course, they expanded into the other English-speaking countries. So what we decided was to go to countries which were not initially English-speaking, and namely Germany. So we took the two biggest, uh, you know, European countries, France and Germany. For those who are not European, uh, that might sound weird, but it's not because you're successful in your own domestic market in Europe that you're going to be successful in the next one. And it's not easy for a French company to be successful in Germany, but it worked 
real well, and we succeeded there as well. To a point where today, Germany is basically the same size of business uh, for Cameroon as it is in France. So, and it's only in 2018 and 2019 that we extended into the UK and then the US. Why, you know, did, did we wait so long? Well, the reason is quite simple. We thought that we had nothing to suggest to the market before these years. On the one hand, our, our product was getting better and better. And we thought that in 2018, we had some stuff that other players didn't have. Uh, for example, we had developed an extended module in terms of personalizations. And the second reason that we got there is because aside from the solution, there are also market strategies. And the market strategy of the leader you know, in the US was to go really in the high-end bracket, uh, high-end enterprises, and to a certain extent, left an open uh, space in the small to mid-enterprise market. So there was a space there in terms of proposing a tool which was an enterprise tool, but at a price which was making sense uh, you know, in the mid-enterprise segment. And that's how we got introduced in the UK, in the US. And today, uh, you know, we are in all major markets, so you're in Europe, but as well in the US, because we, we managed to enter into this uh, market space that had been left a little bit uh, uh, open uh, for us. Find an opening in the market and then seize the opportunity. Markets have become increasingly heterogeneous and customer needs are fragmenting. This is your opening against category giants. Today, a pathway to winning is to understand the needs of specific segments of their markets and the ability to deliver well-targeted, well-coordinated products and services to each segment. You can't build a 10x sales force, but you 100% can build a 10x product serving a particular segment of the market that has a particular set of needs and wants. Strategy is defined by what you say no to. If you treat all revenues as equally desirable, you don't have a strategy. Chameleon found openings in the market, first in Europe, where there were fewer competitors, and later in the US, where they observed an underserved segment of the market. You need to be deliberate about selecting the customers you want to serve, and not simply provide a homogeneous set of products to as many customers as possible. It's very hard to defend against the giants of the industry by offering arm's length products to the exact same customers. Besides the language part, what does even uh, a market mean today if we talk about software tools? Like in, on the internet, there are no borders. You know, like Bangladeshi market is as far as New York from Austin, Texas on the internet. So why make these distinctions to the UK market? How are you thinking about this? It's a very good point you're raising here. And I'm really very surprised to see that, uh, as you say, on the one hand, we do consider that, for example, we have only one marketing, right? Marketing is being led from the US. Everything that we do, we duplicate for the other markets and uh, we work as a team. So we're 185 people today at Chameleon in seven different countries. You know, we do work as one team with one marketing and there's, of course, one product for all uh, you know, companies. That's one thing. But on the other hand, what is really surprising is that there's still these uh, local identities. And I must say, in the A-B testing space, you don't see the same number one player in each of those you know markets so if you know we stick to the four ones you know we just mentioned north america uk uh, germany and france you won't quote the same names if you had to say who is the leader you know in this country 
And that comes, you know, for two reasons. I would say, number one, well, um, because of the um, local origin, you know, as far as we are concerned, we're French, so we started over in France, and that makes sense that we be considered as a, you know, leader, you know, in this country. In the same time, this has been left apart, you know, by other players. And also, there are also some distinctions. For example, in Germany, Germans, they like to open the hood, you know, when they buy a car. They don't buy the car only because of the design. The design is, is an important thing. They always want a proof of what they buy. So everything, they, they look into, you know, every single detail about the uh, statistical model, the data model, everything. And since we're going to take DNA, I believe that uh, our tool is a great feat, uh, you know, for Germans. So that's why I guess it's really one of the reasons why, you know, we succeeded there. So this is to say, I agree with you, it's one market, definitely, you know, trying to say, you know, this is a totally different, no way. But in the same time, well, there's still some um, local differences. Competitive strategy to consider. Be more local. We may have access to all markets via the internet, but as Jean Brenner mentioned, there are ways to edge out the competition by appealing to more local sensibilities. That's how Baidu was beating Google in China even before the ban. When you double down on a niche or a type of buyer, your messaging can highlight or show how you get them, how you understand them, and how the category leaders miss the mark and think you don't matter. Here is international marketing and strategy expert Professor Richard Lynch explaining why even a global giant like McDonald's found major benefits in employing localized strategies. McDonald's restaurants, it has global brands, global customer satisfaction. It can even research new menu items globally and recover the costs across many countries. So why does it need a local strategy? There are five main reasons. McDonald's needs to cater for local tastes, whatever the consequences for global strategy. Different countries have developed different fast food chains over time. McDonald's needs to be able to position itself against its local competitors. Governments in different countries around the world have different views on what can be sold in fast food outlets. McDonald's does not own all its restaurants centrally. If the headquarters makes all the key decisions, then what incentive is there for the franchisee? Finally, we have local service quality. What does this mean overall for McDonald's global strategy? It means that the company needs to operate a strong local strategy alongside its global operations. So in 2018, you decided to expand out uh, to the you know, English-speaking UK, North American markets. Was it a success right away? Uh, did your growth accelerate? How did it go? Well, it, it did for a very simple reason. It's because the biggest markets are clearly US on the one hand, and in Europe, your uh, say consumption of digital is much higher in UK than it is in continental Europe. So since these markets were blank markets for us, we couldn't but grow in these countries. You know, for us, it's a great opportunity. Uh, it's really a boon, uh, you know, for us to expand clearly worldwide because we can, you know, really say now that we're a global company. As long as you're not in the U.S., you can't say that you're a global company, and now we can say it. And yes, answering your question, yes, we, we, we see success. I mean, for a simple reason, by the way, 
you know, things change. There are not so many players in this space. Yes, on the one hand, you can list a whole range of solutions, but I would say many of them have been bought out by suites or stacks. So in these suites and stacks, these you know, experimentation solutions become very small, teeny part of the whole stack. So some of the solutions are just fitting away because people are not paying attention to new innovations and you know, a new way of doing things. So we don't really compete with solutions belonging to suites and stacks, but we do replace some of them sometimes because the experimentation managers they see that these suites don't keep uh, you know, pace with the um, innovation in this, uh, in this space. And if you look at best of breed players, well, the number, I would say, will count in the, you know, on the number of your one hand or two hands. So it's both a specialist market with not too many players. And as I said, you have to find your sweet spot in terms of verticals, and also size of the enterprise that uh, you know you fit in, and we believe that we're a great fit uh, for mid enterprises, uh, you know, looking for a professional tool. So you're focused on the mid market. Uh, are you focused on you know any specific verticals? And and then how did you come to that decision? So what was happening behind the scenes? In terms of verticals, we've been very good in some niche, like the uh, I would say financial and insurance market and healthcare market. But these are niche. They are not the first users of experimentation, but these really helped us to build a name. Uh, you know, for example, in the US, we EPA compliant, which is something uh, you know, related to the healthcare sector, and that helped us to you know, make a start. It's not the biggest market, but at least I can say that we are leader in the healthcare sector, but we are clearly you know, one of the uh, key players there. But today... Uh, we have many customers, and most of our customers are still in the retail, e-commerce, uh, fashion business, for example, because those ones are still converting visitors into, into buyers. We're very strong in the media business as well. Uh, originally, many uh, leading uh, media like uh, RTBF in Belgium, Divert, uh, RTL in Germany, uh, Le Monde, Le Figaro in France, you know, have been using Chameleon. So we got an extensive knowledge of what is needed in the media business. So we cover all those things. But once again, this may be different from one country to another, uh, because once you get a great name in one country, then it's easier to get other names. But these names rings a bell in this country, but doesn't ring a bell in another country. So we may be stronger or weaker, depending on uh, you know, each territory. What is working for you guys in terms of customer acquisition? I guess we're acquiring customers like everybody is doing. That is, we're using all the... Uh, marketing recipes. So we make sure that we get better and better in SEO. We uh, do participate to uh, the right events when they were events, <laughs> you know, et cetera, et cetera. But if I had to mention one thing, I would say that uh, we did consider from day one, and I think that makes the difference between Camelion and some other players, that we were on a specialist market. And that experimentation was key, and we were fond of experimentation, but it's a specialist market. So we did not try to go full scale in large marketing events. We stay with those who know what experimentation is all about. And I would say in terms of marketing, uh, what's most important, and to my opinion, this is one of the three pillars of the success of any company, is the word of mouth of your own customers. Uh, that is, your best salespersons are always your customers. And this relates to other things, you know, quality of the solution. But 
really the, the word of mouth is absolutely key. So even if it goes slower than spending a lot of money in terms of marketing, we spend time making sure that we bring success to uh, the experimentation program of our customers. So there's the tool on the one hand, we're trying to help with the right support. When I'm saying the right support, we make sure that there's the right use you know, of the tool. And then we, we expand with these uh, you know, word of mouth in the different markets. You know, in the UK, for example, we were called by you know, one local agency and we made sure that uh, you know, the first um, project was successful and then the second one, the third customer, and then the snowball starting rolling and then it comes naturally afterwards. Sameness is everywhere. It's hard to tell how one tool is different from another. So it shouldn't come as a surprise that customers often end up choosing a SaaS tool solely based on a recommendation by a peer. If all things seem more or less the same, might as well go with the one my friend has used. In fact, word of mouth traffic has the highest conversion rate. With that in mind, gaining market share is the best thing a brand can do for itself. The more known you are, the more word of mouth you will get and the more consideration sets you will enter. The more popular you are, the more popular you will get. Focus your marketing machine to build mental availability. How do you guys think about your theory of advantage? Meaning, how are you planning to win? You know, what keeps you awake at night? At least what keeps me awake at night? What is my competitive advantage? <laughs> I mean, this gets back to um, the one essential of the company, uh, which is always uh, your product. In a world where we know that marketing is making a difference, you see more and more companies who want to go fast. And the way to go fast is to you know, spend a lot of money into marketing. But sometimes it's really at the expense of the quality of the solution. There is no one way to succeed. There are several ways to succeed. But I always believe that you know, we need a great solution and a great product. And it's better to go slow in the right direction than fast in the wrong one. And if you got a great product and that comes to quality, well, you are saving a lot of time, a lot of sweat afterwards. I know that graveyards are full of great products, great technologies, but I th also think that people forget that graveyards are also full of you know, marketing companies. Sometimes they're successful at one point, but the product doesn't follow, and then you know, that creates a problem in the long haul. So as I said, we're in a specialist market. It's a small world. Word of mouth is important. People talk about, you know, what about the solution that you're having and so on? So the question is not to be good in one year, it's to be good five years from today, 10 years from today. But I always want to get back to the essential because if you forget the essential, if you don't repeat that to your team, everybody tends to, to forget about the essentials. And they sometimes say, oh, you know, in January, they tell you, oh, my differentiating factor is the fact that I got this feature and this feature. In March, they're saying something else. In May, they're saying something else. Everybody forgets that your differentiating factor must be first the quality of your solution. A great product is your ticket to the game, no doubt. But you need to win on other things beyond the product. Sure, to win your company does have to be the best at something. But the best doesn't just mean the highest quality. It's whatever that group of customers you sell to cares a lot about. It's about being the best for a particular use case for a specific set of customers. A good product is table stakes. It's merely meeting expectations. It's like easy to use or good support. Everyone expects those things. And should you not have those things, there will be disappointment. 
In the 1970s and 1980s, you could buy a piece of brand new electronics and it might have been non-functional out of the box. So quality was a true competitive advantage back then. And then the quality revolution happened. And today, you know, it'd be unthinkable that a new TV you buy doesn't work. Every new car drives well. But that's not why you buy one. B2B software is no different. Yes, you need a good product, but it's not enough to win the market. Here's Chris Orlov, head of go-to-market at Gong, explaining why product differentiation is important, but no longer enough to win you more than your fair share of the market. Product differentiation is dead today. Let me soften the statement a little bit. Product differentiation is a ticket to play the game today, but it is not going to win your market by itself. You spend all day with your product. You spend all day analyzing your product, and you probably spend a lot of time on your competitors' websites, or even with their products directly, analyzing the differences and nitpicking, and you know the differences like the back of your hand, and it just blows your mind that everybody else cannot see those differences. It's not so easy for your buyers, though. They don't spend all day with your product. They don't spend all day with your competitor's product. And so even though you do have a unique product, buyers come away with a surface-level understanding of both of those products and lump them to being, quote-unquote, identical. How you sell has become as or more important than what you sell. In SaaS, where often it's pretty easy to copy a competing product, do you see product and engineering being a long-term you know, competitive advantage or do you, in the long run, everything gets commoditized and you need to win on brand? It depends in which market you are. I would fully agree with this on the large markets. I mean, you know, in terms of size being over 10 billion. If it's over $10 billion, then you'll get big players. And as good as your product can be, you'll be beaten by marketing even if the marketing is for you know, a product which is not as good as yours. As I said, graveyards are full of great products and, and, and great technologies. But the experimentation market is not a $10 billion market. You know, we're talking about a $2 billion or $3 billion across the globe. And in these markets, you get you know, with specialists. And this is why I'm saying that you're not going to win only by marketing. You can win in the, in the short term, but three years is very short. You know, if you got a long-term view of your business, as I, you know, do consider that you must, you know, if you want to stay in the market, then marketing is not going to do the whole stuff. So uh, you have to work, you know, long-term, and everything doesn't get commoditized. Let's take today. You got, as I said, few players in the market. I don't think there's going to be a newcomer. Uh, you know, in these markets coming from nowhere and saying, okay, you know what? I mean, I got, a, I got a great tour here and this is as good as the others. And the reason why I'm saying this is because I think the market is too small and this is not, uh, you know, worth, you know, the effort for somebody to come in and catch up with the ones who are already here. Um, so competition remains, you know, this is tough every day for everybody. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, there are uh, you know, other markets which are tougher. Um, so, you know, it really depends on the size of the markets. So you have succeeded in a space where lots of other players have not. So obviously you've made some right decisions and probably have had some failures as well. So if you think back to, you know, to your success and the company growth, what advice would you have for other B2B SaaS founders? The first advice which comes to my mind really 
put on a piece of paper what the essentials are. Because you're going to get every day tens of topics in marketing, in sales, in R&D, product, you know, marketing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Keep three or four things that you repeat every day to your staff that they shouldn't forget, whatever happens. And these things have to be repeated. And well, you have to put it on the wall, make sure, as I said, at Caminion, we have three essentials, which are product, meaning quality must be there because this is going to save us a lot of time afterwards. Second of all is the brand. We don't want anybody to hurt the brand, speak the same language, tone of voice, et cetera, et cetera. So the brand is essential. And third was the word of mouth, uh, meaning our customers are best, you know, salespersons. Once you have started your essentials, then many strategies can win. I mean, so that's, you know, first advice. The second one is don't take for granted that you need to raise uh, necessarily, you know, tons of money to be successful. You know, um, Chameleon is not my first company. I started over in 1990 with my first company. At the time, I needed some money here. There was no capital fund in France. There was, nobody was existing. Today, you want to raise money. I mean, you got hundreds of funds, you know, existing. They, they call, you know, every single day. And sometimes people confuse what the success of the company is. It's not raising money. Raising money is a way to be successful. It's not the end of the story. And I'm getting back to what is the size of the market? You know, raising too much money on the market, which is too small, is the recipe for big problems because you're making promises to your shareholders. You're also making promises to the people that, uh, you know, you hire in the company. And if you don't keep up with your promises, then you end up creating, you know, issues with your employees, with your partners, with your shareholders. And that's what also is making a difference uh, between Camelion and some other players. We basically bootstrapped. Uh, Camelion is profitable today. My goal is not to say that you shouldn't raise money, but it's one way to succeed. Make sure that uh, you are raising money, which makes sense for uh, you know what you can achieve on the market. Otherwise, you end up making mistakes and trying to push the machine too fast. Chameleon was wise to be wary of overfunding. It's been the destruction of many startups who then built too quickly on shaky foundations, only to have everything crumble beneath them. Like Jean-René said, it's not that you shouldn't raise money, but you should be aware of the challenges you are taking on in doing so. Here's entrepreneur and angel investor Jason Kalakanis explaining the risks involved in funding a startup before a sustainable business model is in place, and why venture capitalists are willing to do it anyway. The venture capital community is only going to fund sub 1% of enterprises started in the, in the United States every year, like maybe 10 basis points of them, like one in a thousand. And, wow. and the reason is it's jet fuel. You only want to take that money if you really want to build something big and you want to build it fast. And when you put jet fuel behind a startup, as we've seen with other rockets, things can blow up. Seven out of 10 startups we invest in go to zero. Now, if you were to start the business and only build it off customer revenue and use your own money and go nice and slow and grow 10% a year, the chances of you blowing up the rocket are very low because you're riding a bicycle. The bicycle can only go so fast. And once you start taking that money, the way venture capital is constructed in these venture funds, we're going to invest in 30 names and one or two of them are going to return three times the capital we've deployed. The venture capitalist behavior in the game they're playing is different than you as the founder. 
You as the founder, you may really care about this. And it dying really matters to you. And then you got a venture capitalist who's like, we're betting on 30 names. We need two of them to hit it out of the park, maybe three. And nothing else is meaningful. And the, and the last uh, advice I, I, I would give, it's great to go fast in the right direction. It's great to make a mistake fast as well. But it's better to go slow in the right direction than fast in the wrong direction. What makes the difference? It's everybody will say there's uh, finding the right person, the number one right person is absolutely key. You know pretty well if it can work. So, for example, you know, I said that we've been very successful in Germany. Aside from the solution, it's also because we found the, the right first person who was dedicated, you know, with us and has been with us now for seven years. Same story in the U.S. Well, in some other countries, I, I haven't been that successful. And, uh, you know, this is absolutely key if you want to succeed. So, you know, people are always key. So, what three key strategies have worked for Chameleon? One, they found an opening in the European market and focused on solidifying their strategy there before expanding globally. We managed to exist because France was not in the middle of the concerns at the time and, and the objectives. So, we didn't see that much competition. Our, our product was getting better and better. And we thought that in 2018, the market strategy of a leader you know, in the US left an open uh, space in the years, small to mid-enterprise market. Two, they focused on building high-quality product that would generate lots of word-of-mouth marketing. What's most important, and to my opinion, this is one of the three pillars of the success of any company, is the word-of-mouth of your own customers. That is, your best salespersons are always your customers. Three, they were cautious of seeking too much investment money early on. Raising money is a way to be successful. It's not the end of the story. Raising too much money on the market, which is too small, is the recipe for big problems. One last takeaway from Jean René. We need a great solution and a great product. And it's better to go slow in the right direction than fast in the wrong one. And if you got a great product and that comes to quality, well, you are saving a lot of time, a lot of sweat afterwards. And that's how you win. I'm Pep Lea. For more tips on how to win, follow me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Thanks for listening.